0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad that you're here as we get a behind the scenes look at the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host Brian Bikey, and joining me tonight, welcome back to The Champ. We have Ryan Cecil and Kenny Coleman both on the line today.
1: I, I, last last episode was so good I didn't know if I'd get invited back. You know, was, I, y'all did the, such a great job and I've I felt left out, but I, so I begged y'all to let me back in.
2: That's why we, we whisper sweet nothings when you're
1: gone to make sure that we can just reel you back in. It's those words of affirmation that just keep you coming back. I don't know. Y'all had a good vibe going. I don't know if you need me. I'll just go back to like blending or something. (laughs) (laughs) We, we need you to do that, but we why also can't. We need do it.
0: why can't there be a both
1: and? No, there can't be. I, I I miss being here. I I don't like missing. I had FOMO while I was listening to it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you missed one recording, and you're like, oh my god. Normally, Kenny says I'll take this one and run with it, and then I come in, but there was no coming in, in the.
0: <laughs> well,
1: tell tell everyone
0: what you were out
1: doing. What was I doing two weeks ago? I can't remember. Oh, I was uh, camping. I was at the spending family time camping lake nolan doing some redneck stuff you know i didn't realize you go down to nolan my family's got lake houses down in nolan oh we got a camper it's even better we got a party down there sometime let's do some redneck shit redneck Riviera, you know it's a great time no i always love going there i love the lake it's good just to like see water jump in float around drink some high noons you make Hot it t- sound so exotic. It's <laughs> no, so nice. It's so to nice to see some some water, water jump in. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you just like you
2: see that standing pool of water, and you're like, "Damn, that just looks appetizing." <laughs> you know, Ryan, maybe you,
0: maybe you need a little bit more break time. Maybe you need some more separation from work.
1: If you are, if if you do not know what water typically looks like, <laughs> that gets you amped up. It doesn't take much. Anything to escape the <laughs> the hellhole of bourbon startup. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> Anyways,
1: <laughs> missed you guys, so glad to be back. Hey, we're glad to have you back. Yeah. And, and we've got a fun one
0: tonight, I think. And uh, I know that Ryan's been thinking about this whole lot. He, he You know, normally on his drives back from Bartown, he calls me and he talks about this all the time. So I, I think that we'll have some stuff to get in here on this topic. But from... I would say, a generation ago. And it, when it seems like whiskey was, you always hear people say, your daddy's brand or your granddaddy's brand. There's always the the brand alliance. We've talked about that on, on the episodes before where we talk about you know brand loyalty and whatnot. And that's not exactly what we're getting into on tonight's topic. What we want to talk about is when people had those brand alliances, it seems like whiskey led on to more of a lifestyle brand like you see with other things like you see with a certain type of grill a pellet grill or smoker or you see with uh the the Stanley cups that folks are drinking it's, out of it's proven you drink more water if you have a Stanley it's true <laughs> it's true certified and, and you see things like this that have you you know that they've turned into uh, a lifestyle it's, it seems like it's turned into one of those things that it's just you can't have one without the other and we were trying to figure out whether Whiskey in general or even, you know, brands in general. We see several trying to do it. But is there still a place today for brands to be within
2: a lifestyle brand? Ron, you want yeah. to? Yeah, Ron, you kick it off because you had this idea and it's something that's been kind of toiling in your head. So kind of put your your thoughts out there and we'll sort of take it point by point here.
1: Yeah. So you just look at, you know, the current brands and the, the legacy brands, the new brands and this and that. And you're like a lot of branding is all about storytelling and we all have a story in our head that's running and how we think and how we feel about things and how we want to portray ourselves, how we want to feel. But you kind of like look at whiskey brands and you're like, well, like how does Elijah Craig make me feel? (laughs) You know, like it's just a, an old dead man's name or William, William Weller. Like it, it's not like a lifestyle or something I connect to. It's just like, it's like, it's just a name. And like, and then you even look at like modern brands like, you know, that Penelope just sold. And I'm like, well, what is it about them that like connected? And, and, but like, and I look at it and I'm like, I think it was just they had great, you know, they had great packaging, but they had, they were like one of the people to really like embrace finishing and get established. And it's like, I guess I just toy with this like in my head, like, okay, is whiskey this one of those categories where, It's not really like a lifestyle connection to a brand. It's Is it more just like about the liquid itself? Is it good? And I've even thought about this like with like High Noons because like or like, you know, White Claws. Like do people have a lifestyle connection with White Claws or High Noons or they just want to drink them because they taste good and they can, you know, it's hot out and that's what they drink when it's hot out and it's affordably priced and it's so like, do, do, do spirits and liquor brands, you know, like versus like Yeti or Kenny brought this up, like Costa Del Mar or whatever, you know, you have these brands that are like geared towards like adventure and fishing and boating and whatnot, but then they kind of break that and go mainstream and then you have housewives carrying like Yeti bag, beach bags with tumblers and rosé in them. And it's like, that wasn't the true intention, but they've created this lifestyle around it. And it's like, is there a lifestyle, I guess or can there be with whiskey brands or spirits brands? That's the question I want to ask you all and discuss and break down and also get feedback from our audience. So when
2: I listened to that, I felt like there was a pinball machine going in Ryan's head, (laughs) trying to figure out exactly like, like where's this going to end up? So yeah, there's it's twofold. The way that I look at it, the, the brands that today that become lifestyle brands, they achieved something because they had a factor that made them stand out than anything else and kind of pushed them as leaders in a category. Now, it's kind of, maybe, I don't know, I'd say it's hard to do that with whiskey. I was like, is whiskey's been around for so long? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Coolers have been around uh, for a very long time, even before there was the advent of coolers, but Yeti was able to, to break beyond that. So it could be a combination of, well, why did Yeti become... Yeti, And that's because they could keep their drinks colder, longer with less resources. Yes. And plus they had a huge price tag. So it was almost like a, I would say a shelf trophy, but it was definitely a, it's a status symbol, right? I think that's the way to kind of look at that is a lot of these, these lifestyle brands become status symbols. So if we break it down into that, at what point does a whiskey become a status symbol? Uh, Pappy Van Winkle, by far the easiest way to say that this is a status symbol. I also look and see how that becomes more of a lifestyle brand because you have like the Pappy and Co that comes out and they make stuff like maple syrup and hats and T-shirts and everything else that kind of still infiltrates that. And so most of the people that even have that stuff probably have never drink Pappy in their life, but they want to be a part of the lifestyle. So back to your thing about Elijah Craig, can that be a lifestyle brand? That's a good question. I don't... I'm not entirely sure. It definitely hits a consumer price point where a lot of people, between that and say Woodford or something like that, like you have Elijah Craig that's trying to line themselves right now with pro golf. You could put all their money in the advertising into that realm versus Woodford is into the racehorse industry and making sure that they're always there for the Kentucky Derby. So you have these two... These these two like iconic brands trying to align themselves with a certain sector, a certain small sliver of a certain population, and maybe that's what it is. Like you you dive deep into one of those, and then from there it breaks out and becomes more of a, a mainstream and lifestyle uh, piece of it. But I don't see Elijah Craig or Woodford going beyond that into what they already are. I think they're just trying to capitalize in that market that already exists because you'll go and people will be walking around it. Uh, Belmont, and they'll go, what's your favorite Kentucky bourbon? And they'll say, well, because of today, it's Woodford Reserve because of just that connection with horse racing. So I feel that there is a way to break into a lifestyle of a particular, uh, I guess you could say, just like, I don't know, hobby, sport, whatever you want to call it. It could be drone racing. I don't know whatever it is, but you want to try to figure out how do you own and capitalize on that certain thing. And that kind of goes back to what we've been trying to figure out is instead of casting a wide net, who do you target and how do you try to align yourselves with the, the certain companies that are trying to be there? I mean, Trey Zoller, Jefferson's Ocean. I would imagine there's probably a lot of people that live on boats or that have boats that they love the idea of Jefferson's Ocean because of just what that word says. I, I don't feel that it's I think there's there's a a way that brands do this, but they have to start tackling these uh, at, at a at a smaller uh, demographic or or smaller pocket of, of folks. I don't know that's that's me rambling. I, I love these brainstorming sessions where we can just try to figure things out because that's exactly what's happening right now.
0: So you brought up an interesting point when you talked about reaching a, a status symbol. Now I will say the thing with Pappy is interesting because, do I agree that it's a status symbol? Yes. But uh, aside from like the family business that has continued on that you mentioned, I don't really see it align with lifestyle for the reason that like that you kind of hinted at a lot of people aren't getting it. They're not opening them. Right. And, And I don't see that as like a marketing thing. That's like someone's walking around and they've got their pappy 20. And it's like, I'm, Having old I'm, fashions on the boat with my, pack. yeah, I'm living life as so, but but so on that similar topic too. So then, if I think about that, had the had or has the potential to be one, and maybe the demand and the inability to get it, uh, in in the accessibility, you know, maybe we're looking at the fact that one of the key pieces in order to become lifestyle means it's got to be accessible to a large amount of people. However, the problem that I see with that is, the status symbol I still think makes sense because there are very few lifestyle brands, and unless it's just like bam, it all of a sudden happens. I don't see a lot of lifestyle brands that it's just something small, it's
2: just something tiny that that you know is low key and it stays low key. Well, give, give me an example because everything that I think of when it comes to things like. Uh, Mercedes or BMW, or I mean, it could be the clothes that you wear. It could be the watches you buy. It could mm-hmm. be all this sort of stuff. It all leads at some point of I could get something for a fraction of the cost, but I want it because I want to be a part of that lifestyle. That lifestyle and that 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 basically that emblem is a status symbol of of who I want to be, and that's sort of where where I'm seeing that connection. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think. And by the way, and every everything that I'm talking about usually has a very high dollar price tag because that's typically what you what what you know what you're trying to attain. Nobody's sitting there trying to be like I I'm really going for the Massimo Target brand. Like nobody's like going like I'm going for that look. Like yeah, sure, we all have stuff from there, but nobody's saying like that's my status symbol.
0: I don't think you and I are on the on different pages there. I guess all I'm all I'm wanting to 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 play off of that is wonder does the size like the status symbol affect the the size the scale these companies get is that a deterrent for brands such as for brands like us or other brands that we know from being able to reach that like just in general for as this top as we're talking about this topic so you know we're talking about can can different brands in whiskey be a lifestyle brand? And we mentioned a couple of big ones at the beginning. I'm just wondering if the, I don't know what I'm trying to say.
2: Well, I mean, (laughs) let's, let's, let's take one of your favorites. Let's, let's take Willett family estate. Do we see Willett family estate being a a quote unquote lifestyle brand? There, there are, I, I kind of agree. Like there are definitely people in like the Willett groups that have a certain lifestyle that is sort of attached to those types of bottles, very high end expensive dinners, very, uh, you know, luxurious vacations, like expensive cigars. Like I see that as like a connotation to people that are people that are buying a lot of Willett family estate. But then again, that goes into spending lots of dollars. Now on the other side, I don't see, as Ryan said, W.O. Weller green label, really being associated to a lifestyle brand. People are buying that because it's a good value. So I don't know if I would be able to say that those are kind of comparing apples to oranges when you're talking about
1: how does one break into being a lifestyle brand. This is what's fascinating about the whiskey world. Like, you know, with other products and everything, you can kind of carve out a niche of who you're trying to like appeal to. But in the whiskey world, you know your early adopters are whiskey enthusiasts and they don't buy into lifestyle brands they snip that out as marketing bs it, sometimes it feels like we can portray this lifestyle of being entrepreneurs and hustlers pursuing the good life pursuing family pursuing friends pursuing this and but we need the early adopters really don't care about that they're like oh i just want technical details like high end like or this and that i only care about the product itself and so it's like how does a whiskey company who has to appeal to you know to break through to get an entry to the market to that high or that really intense whiskey geek i guess that's where i'm having trouble it's like how do you build a lifestyle brand when you got to get through them first (laughs) to get to the whereas otherwise you know in other markets it's kind of easier i guess
2: i think the it all has to start playing to your your roots and your dna and it has to start at the very beginning i don't feel that you can come out of the gate and saying oh we're this kind of lifestyle like we emulate this or this is what you should do because when you drink our whiskey this is how you should feel i don't feel that that is a a recipe for success when you're looking as a startup brand because you're looking for eyeballs you're looking for attention if you were to say, oh, yes, our whiskey, we are founded in the Pacific Northwest and we care about bears and trees and nature. So therefore, you should also care. Like, I don't I don't think you're going to get that from some visitors that are passing through or some people that are very local and hardcore to that region. But for the most part, it's not going to make a dent into the larger whiskey landscape because you've got all kinds of people out there that, yeah, they don't resonate it. They care about double-digit age statements. They care about proof. They care about value. That's it. And to be able to sit there and try and promote what, you're, what you believe in or your ethos or all those different other components that you feel that are important to your brand, you're right. I don't think they do matter. But to go beyond that, it is, it is a second phase because – as you've said, Ryan, tens of times on the show is that the whiskey geeks, they will basically just, you know, eat you up and spit you out is, is kind of how it is. It's like, we're, we're here for you today, but you're dead to us tomorrow after we've gotten all we can get out of you. Once we've drained you of your 13 year MGP stocks, we're moving on to the next person. <laughs> and that's essentially what you have to do is you have to figure out one, how do I first capitalize on that first audience, which... I think we're still trying to figure that out, and then and then how do you continue to push that message of of who you are and what you're trying to be to a broader audience that has no idea who you are? And that's one thing that we have talked about as well is like the the whiskey and bourbon drinking market so vast and so large that we get so hung up on the whiskey geeks that that we we need to be able to start pushing that message and start building that brand and whatever that ethos is from the very beginning, and so that message can start resonating with them as well. And for us, I feel like we are going to be in the same position as somebody like Penelope or Blue Run. Like what makes us modern? What makes us different? Because we don't have thousands or hundreds of years of family lineage or distilling history or anything like that. Like we're passionate. We care about the product. We have thousands of hours of interviews of talking to everyone in the whiskey industry, which nobody else has had. We didn't come from money, like it's hustle, it's it's work ethic at the end of the day. And I feel that we, I don't know how to sit there and say like, oh, yes, that's the same thing as, you know, bears and mountains. That's not, it's like, we got to figure out like, how do you portray that into some sort of imagery or into a message? But I feel that there is, there's an opportunity there to be able to
1: capitalize on that as well. Yeah, I do think we're in the unique position where we can, because most whiskey brands on the shelf are that come from money or legacy or this or that and and we have a unique opportunity to share like as you have with the dsp and the warehouse and you know like all the shit and hurdles you have to go through in this business i think but i'm like is that enough to connect with people like is do they i guess do they care or are they just like uh just waiting for your eight to ten year old whiskey to come out We'll try it once, but we're going to move on to the next thing until you bring us something that's... Um, I think you're, Ryan's looking for words of affirmation right now to make No, sure no, no, that, no, I'm that, not. <laughs> he's,
2: he's trying to figure out, like, so what makes us special? What makes us unique, and how do we portray that?
1: Well, I I, I feel like I know what does, but that's the topic of the discussion, is, like, does that matter to a whiskey consumer, even if you get mainstream? It's like, does that matter? I think the fact that you used to sit there and cut the weeds at all
2: the distilleries you know, with your your hedge trimmer back in the day. I think that probably has something to do with it.
1: That should be a reel. When I was (laughs) going around the weed eater, my hands vibrate for eight hours because I was weeding around Heaven Hills warehouses all day. Let's do it. That would be a good reel. Put that on the shot list, Brian. Nailed it. got it. You know, we got all these shot lists and all these ideas and like, and I I agree. I, I love brands that I feel like I'm excited about and have a connection to. I guess it just sometimes feels like whiskey and probably it's that echo chamber of whiskey enthusiasts that they just don't care about that. No, they don't. And here's the thing that I felt like we've
2: pivoted and made a good move towards is by doing some of these reels and kind of just showing more of our authentic self, which is just really kind of goofy and fun. And We're not sitting there trying to be too serious, like dimly dark lit room with, uh, a cigar that's you know uh, ashing and then with uh, an old-fashioned next to it and it's like make yours a special Saturday like some bullshit what's like wrong that. with
0: like, a Saturday like that
2: <laughs> I'm just saying well, that's really not us so you know when we're taking naps out front of the warehouse and filming it and saying like you know we'll see you in 30 days or something like that I feel that that's more like us I know we're not them but you look at like Nelk boys. I don't know if anybody knows who they are, but they're the happy dad. Yeah, exactly. So these, these YouTube sensations, they just kind of did a bunch of dumb shit on YouTube and got really, really famous. And then they came out with a, a thing called happy dad seltzer. And they don't try to portray a certain kind of lifestyle. They're just having fun. That's all it is. Just being fun and goofy and doing whatever it is. And, I'm not gonna say that you know because we're I'm 40 and you're approaching 40 I'm not gonna say that we can, we can we're not gonna be like the Nelk boys but uh, you know it's 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 us where we we look at it and we go man it's it's just bourbon like don't take life too seriously right
1: I agree with you and that's uh, that's what I love and I've been having a great time doing these with you all. But then like we have our ambassador meetings and they're telling us, what point do you bring up the story? And they're like, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Customers just want a- just want really good whiskey. They just want a good bourbon at a good price. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you talk to like, you know, John, uh, we had him on uh, uh, John. Oh, John Foster. John Foster, you know, and they talked about how- Yet to be released Bourbon Pursuit episode. Yeah, but just a little snip is like, you know, they were acquired by Pernod Ricard and, you know, they dumped a ton of, you know, millions of dollars into marketing and advertising. And he's like, it barely moved the needle, <laughs> you know, and it's like, is that just not what it, you know resonates with whiskey consumers like other industries? It does. Well, that's where I felt like we already have. Because you're not wearing it. You're not driving it. You're not. I mean, you do have it at home and you're drinking it, but you're not. It's not something you're like. Lugging around all the time. I yeah,
0: that's one of the points I was going to get into. So Kenny had mentioned, you know, he talked about clothing or watches or your boat or your car. And those are all things that I feel like you probably get a lot of, for lack of a better word, mileage. You know what I mean? You, you're you're seen in them. You're seen out and about. For the most part, there's, there's a good amount of time that's spent in that quote-unquote lifestyle that you're having. And I, I just kind of wonder if the shelf life, the the amount of enjoyment you know we we probably all have bottles that have sat there for longer than they need to before they're drank so i know that you can extend the time of them but i feel like i don't know maybe a a bottle of whiskey's more finite than you know how many miles you're going to put on a new mercedes or you know how often you're going to wear a new rolex or something like that is that and is that a, a part of what stops a brand from being able to to carry
2: the same all i hear is is kenny why don't you make a pelican case that has a clear plastic cover so you can walk around with your bottles and everybody can see them
1: <laughs>
2: that's exactly what we need yeah i mean it, you're right it's, it's hard to kind of look at that and say is it finite? Where's your mileage going to get out of it? Yeah. Cause most of the time it's, if people want to show their status when they're out at dinner, they're going to see the kind of drinks they order from, I mean, heck, well, I'm that's sure true. we've all, we've all been at a, at a particular business function and whoever is the one that's responsible for ordering the wine, like where, like what, what's the dollar amount? What are they spending? And, and it kind of just goes to show like, what's like, what's the status of somebody doing? And so that's really the only time that that's going to probably come out in, in that particular I guess you could say, a situation versus somebody comes over and sees your collection of bottles spilling all over the floor and then they go, holy smokes, and look at all this and, oh, look at this over here. I can't believe you have this. Beyond that, yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to get that out into a, a broader, what should I say, into more eyeballs or any anybody that can get more visibility into it just
1: because of the nature of what it is. I know when Kenny comes over, I put out all my good bottles. So he's impressed with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh dear heavens. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some status symbol with mine. I think the potential is there. And I I you know, and then you scroll through Instagram and it's like look at other brands and like what connects, and it's like it's not about like the master distiller going in there and making it or it's not about Friends going on a kayak trip and, you know, and they're sitting around with a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's like, okay, how can I make an old fashioned and how can I make some brownies? And that's about it. (laughs) I know. I see where you're going with it. And I know we've already probably
2: put a few different brands up here. But the only brands that I see that actually make something lifestyle out of it are ones that have a pretty high price tag, or the ones that have kind of infiltrated and kind of gone above that next level. You're right; people aren't walking around with shirts that say "Wol" or "George T. Stag" on them like that. Yeah, sure, they sell them in the gift shop, but I don't feel that that is has really permeated in its way into into mainstream. You have your enthusiasts that really get into that. Uh, now, don't get me wrong; these are pretty much all enthusiasts that get into it. I would say really the only brand, and Ryan, you just mentioned that is really truly a lifestyle brand has got to be Jack Daniel's. Beyond that, y- you have your small little sects of of or, or pockets of people that have their 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 particular bourbon or that bourbon is marketed towards. But Jack Daniel's just covers so much. I mean, you've got motorcycles, you've got camping, you've got uh, you know everything from the the. $15 bottle to the $1,500 bottle. Jack Daniels spreads across f- so much, but then again, that's why they're the number one whiskey in the world. And people have you know motorcycle jackets, they got all kinds of stuff, Harley Davidson, blah, 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 all the collaborations they do. So beyond that, it's kind of hard to really kind of pick and choose and figure out how does a whiskey become more of a lifestyle brand just because of, of how hard it is to break into it. And I'm just going to go back to what I'd said before. I feel like You have to target a pocket of people and whatever that pocket, that niche, that hobby, that sport, that whatever thing it is that people are into, that there is a small enough, minimal viable audience that you can capitalize on. That it, there it is. It could be drone racing. It could be peanut butter enthusiast. It could be whatever it is. Ooh, I like peanut butter. But I'm just saying, it's like, how do you find that audience and how do you connect with them? And you just own that niche. And that's exactly what we did with Bourbon Pursuit. We were yeah. first to the market. We created a better product than anybody else out there had. And we grew the podcast into what it is today because we owned the niche and we came out on top. And I felt like, and, and that's kind of where the basis starts from, at least for us and how we, we start our story and figuring out how do we find that next niche or do we, you know, I mean, we've already tried, you know, pushing into that niche, but we can only go so far
1: into it. So what's that next angle that we, we, we hit towards? Yeah, it's interesting because we thought that niche would be like, you know, partnering with different distilleries, blending different mash bills, different states. And I'm not sure, and maybe it's too soon to tell if that's like resonating with folks like we thought. And so we're kind of shifting. It feels we're shifting gears to like trying to like build like a more behind the scenes about us and what is who we really are. This is not made up what you see these silly Instagram reels with me and Kenny and Brian, or that's who we are. Um, But uh, you know, is that our niche is like, because we're not serious, we're not traditional, we're more startup. It's like, I think we missed, we should just be going to your VMware conferences and like appealing to like all the startup techies. And like, is that our niche? You know, <laughs> you know they get money from the Valley.
2: So I would say it's not a bad, not a bad place to start. I think initially one of the questions I had going
0: into this topic was whether or not the effects of premiumization stunts the ability to be a lifestyle brand. But now all everything you're saying, Kenny, makes me wonder if it's the opposite. If, if premiumization would help, would help drive a brand to be more of a lifestyle brand, which is something we've talked about, you know, before we've talked about the price of products. And we obviously have had a, we had a whole past episode talking
2: about the the premiumization of, of whiskey, but to your point there though, to your mm -hmm, point, mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt, but to your point of what makes a premium brand kind of stand out above the rest? Well, one, it goes back into like, what is that thing? What is that? What is that, that actual physical, tangible like whatever that thing is that makes that product better than the competition. Like that's what already gives it that, that first leap. Mm-hmm. And that's when we look at things like I'm sure, yes, of course, Yeti may not have been the first one to kind of have all those features and functionality or whatever, but they had something that got them off the ground and that was probably just a better marketing budget than anybody else that was doing that. And you, you take that and you put that into the whiskey world that's a very hard thing to do to say if I'm just going to go ahead and come out with a $300 product and say like this is it's really good. I mean, it's got to be so damn good, but it's got to have a feature or function or something that makes it feel like okay, so why is this better than this other like $70 bottle over here? Mm-hmm. If if especially to the lay person, they're not going to know and that is not a that is not a market that's big enough that can satisfy that type of demand. Literally, all three of us sitting here and everybody that's listening to this, yes, we all need a cooler at some point, but we all don't need $300 bottles of whiskey. And so you look at that and you say, well, where at what point am I going to invest into this brand? And it
1: better be because it's 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 that damn good or it provides me this much more utility. Because we had the opportunity to start with our brand, you know, the same exact eight to 12 year old, 14 year old Barton that every other brand has used as their like starting point, you know, and put out a big age statement, big price tag. It's great whiskey, but I was like, there's no way a consumer would care about this stuff. <laughs> but yet they do every time they are like, and, but it doesn't, there's no longevity to that. It's like every time a brand runs out of that, you know, that model, then they're like, and they have to go back to like starting with less staged whiskey and not it seems like they just disappear and like they they're, they're no longer relevant and so that's the the fascinating thing i guess but i agree i don't know a bourbon brand that's above a hundred dollars consistently that's like that i would say you know besides will family estate but that's like five percent of their business i mean you know that's very rare limited of their portfolio but um I know I can't think of like Kentucky Owl's faltered, you know, with that. I mean, four seems to be doing okay, but I don't know of any brand that's above three, three digits. That's like, it comes out with bangers every single time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, I totally agree with that. Probably just talking in circles on this <laughs> brainstorming session, but it's good to work things out. And it's like, I do think there's value in, like you said, creating that. I I feel there's value in creating a lifestyle if if it's authentic, you know, like you just can't like make it up. (laughs) I I do think there's value in that. And that's, what's going to get you past and get you lifelong fans is being an authentic brand and telling that story and sharing that with folks and resonating with it. It's just hard at first when you're, I guess your early adopters, especially in whiskey world, your early adopters are those hardcore whiskey fans who are, not going to necessarily buy into that and they're going to buy into the technical details. I guess that's what this whole conversation for me was about.
2: Yeah, and, and to be fair, we kind of skipped a level, I guess you could say in our our whiskey journey. Maybe not skipped a level, but we we kind of graduated to the next stage. And you know, that's when we said, "Oh, like instead of just buying that same 12, 14-year Barton stuff that everybody else is, why would we want to do more of the same when we can go and create something that's completely different and speaks to us. And, and we know that we're creating something that's truly unique. That's just not going to be yet another same exact whiskey, another bottle, but that is not what the majority of the market says. Like the majority of the market are, they're not us. They're not in the whiskey 202, 300 level. They are still in the 100 to 101, 102 and maybe creeping up into the 200 but for the most part, there's just those few factors they look at. They go, what's the price? What's the proof? What's the age statement? Beyond that, I don't care uh, of whatever it is. And that's where it's like, oh, it's MGP. Oh, it's Dickel. Oh, it's Barton. Oh, it's I don't care as long as it's old and it tastes good and it's cheap enough. I think that's kind of like where the the most of the market is at. And but we can't falter on what our messages and what our Really, what we're trying to convey and get across is that because, yeah, at some point, you're going to trial those and you're going to realize, okay, I've whether you put it in 10 different labels, yeah, it's great. But at some point, you're going to get tired of paying those price tags.
0: Guys, thanks for another uh, interesting podcast. I'd love – this is one where – and I know I've been saying this you know, every time. Podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. I'd love to hear from you all. I'd love to hear brands that you all see kind of portraying that lifestyle – out there and what it looks like, because that's the one thing we didn't really talk that much on the podcast. But, you know, there, there are brands that still portray that way, which is, you know, brand alignment with lifestyle. So, you know, send those over our way. I'd love to to, to hear who you think does a, a good job of that. And I'd love to just hear anything you have to say in regards to this topic of whiskey, whiskey brands. And can they kind of hit into that lifestyle brand phase the same way that some of these other luxury premium brands in other markets have done for us guys thanks so much for another episode and thanks listeners for tuning in to another episode be sure to subscribe like tell a friend all that good stuff about this podcast help us continue to grow and let us know if there's other topics you want to hear us talk about in future episodes thanks everybody for another episode until next time we'll see you all later toodles I'm gonna go pop in L8. L8 this late? Hell yeah, brother! It's my lifestyle.